Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by BC and Brunts. No game was played on Saturday. You might have heard something about it, and we're here to break down all of that non-action. Gentlemen, who was on the kickoff return team? Can you name one player besides J.D. Spielman? Go. No. So what the (laughs) hell were you doing the last few days if you weren't watching that film? And getting all 11 guys that were out on that Wasn't team. Wasn't Wyatt Missouri one of the upmen? He was. I've got a gif of the play if we want to review it, but it doesn't get close enough on any of the players. Austin Allen was a guy on was that he? team. So we've got three of the 11. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed in both of you. I figured that one of you would have studied this. Should have broken it. Well, down. I, d- I didn't really look up from my computer because I was expecting a play to follow. I didn't even know the kick had happened. And then they, they came out, and then Butch Hug came out, and that was that. I saw was, Butch Hug walking down, uh, walking around today. You boo him? No, he's, he's a decisive <laughs> man of the people. Butch okay. Hug's actually a great guy. So let's get serious. to the bottom of the the situation here. Who deserves the blame for what happened on Saturday? Is it Akron for allegedly taking their ball and running home, which I've seen written by no less than a half dozen Nebraska sports writers? I'm kind of thinking that maybe. Could have moved away from that one pretty quickly after the first one did it. Is it Butch Hug for having the audacity to value player safety? Is it Bill Moose? Is it Scott Frost? Is it Mother Nature? Who has taken the blame you for forgot, this non-game? You forgot television. Because it's a shame yeah, that about, things aren't the same. What about Fox? They, they share blame in this somehow, right? All right fine, Fox. Jim that, Delaney, did Big Ten get involved in this for having Fox in the first place? This never would have happened. There's a lot of BTN. There's a lot of blame to go around. If this was a pay-per-view game in the old Big Twelve, Big Twelve era, nobody would have cared. It'd have been a one p.m. kick (laughs) that had gotten most of it in. Damn it! That'll make you miss your Fox Sports Mountain West pay-per-view games or whatever they were. Yeah. So who who gets the blame? You you talked to Moose today, Brian. Who's who's at Um, fault here? I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not. Why are you mad? It's the first. I mean, so something happens for the first time ever. So you're just going to play it cool, you're not mad? Yeah, and I get why Akron split town, too. I mean, the the scenario was that Akron was going to go hang out in the dorms, which I'm fascinated. We should have, I should have followed up. Like, which dorms are we talking about here? Is this like Abel the Abel Sandoz? Is this the Abel Sandoz storm? <laughs> What's the one that got imploded? Uh, that was Cather Pound, right? Yeah, that one's gone. Yeah. Can't, can't go there. Yeah, yeah. Abel, Abel, where it was split, right, between males and females like at the halfway point of the hall yeah isn't that correct yeah is that still the way it is i was expecting like a <laughs> like a situation like in the revolutionary days where nebraska students are going to be forced to quarter a an akron football player <laughs> in their dorm room it's like this is cato nelson he's a quarterback for akron he's going to be sleeping <laughs> on your floor tonight you Here's know five dollars from and you're going to be playing money. some fifa <laughs> until two <laughs> You know, I had a great opportunity to step up here. It would be the the downtown condos and apartments that sit empty. I mean, they they could have been there. This could have been their shining moment. It could have been the closest to capacity for some of the uh, empty downtown condos and apartment. I'm sorry if my uh, Foo Fighters ringtone was caught. Yeah, was that Everlong? Yeah, it was Everlong by Foo Fighters. That's my ringtone. Didn't know everybody. So I asked this question on on Twitter the other day. Are you do you leave your your ringtone and your the sounds of your phone on at all times? No. In fact, very rarely. I, I miss a lot of calls, um, including sometimes radio shows that I forget about. <laughs> but uh, never. But this, if it's one of you guys, though, I'm uh, answering I'm, that thing. I'm used to that. I generally just send you a text instead of yeah, calling at very, this point. We're very text It's about a 50-50 proposition. But it... I feel like one of the most annoying things is when someone's constantly getting text messages and they aren't turning the sound off on their phone. Did you? Did it's just the infuriating. Yeah. If you're at like a coffee shop or you're, you're somewhere and that's just going and it's one person and naturally they have the most annoying possible sound, it's the worst. Is there, you're, You'd get more upset about that than somebody who may have been at fault for us not having a game this weekend even. Yeah, I think that the not having a game is more understandable. than. But the, you're probably wondering how much money – I keep getting this question, and 
I respect that the the people want to know where the money goes to, but the question is... a fiscally is, responsible state yeah, that knows get, the power of the dollar. I right. guess so, because there's a lot of concern about if Akron's going to get their $1.17 million. And I, I understand we do need to ask those questions and follow up on it. I'll admit I also think of it like if you have some situation with your neighbor where you might owe him 10 to $20, I don't really care how it gets resolved. It's kind of... Doesn't matter. That's what we're talking about. That's like ten. So you don't care if I'm owing money all over town. Well, I mean, one million dollars is one million dollars. But when you're the University of Nebraska athletic department, we're talking about like twenty dollars to me and you. Probably so accurate. I I get where they they got to be smart about it, but uh, I gotta I gotta admit I don't care. <laughs> I was imagining a scenario where like, you know. Sometimes in my head, I think like, okay, well, this is a lot of money to be paying somebody. So obviously the size of the, like the literal size of the check has to be in proportion to the amount of money that you're paying. So I'm imagining like Bill Moose just like signing a big old like novelty (laughs) PGA tour check, handing it to Akron and then like Akron having to like hand it back to him after the game wasn't played. Does he hold it up like Donald Trump? Yeah. After he signs it. Yeah. He like (laughs) kind of spins to the crowd a little bit and then hands the check over. Um, that's kind of what I was hoping, but I mean, they fulfilled their obligations. They showed up. It's not their fault the game got canceled. It. It's not their fault the game wasn't played on the Saturday. Well, according to the contract, though, that whether it's thunderstorm or it, what was it, severe weather, insurrection, like yeah. there was like a whole bunch of there was <laughs> like mean? a there was like a list of things that would cause intergalactic the, activity, essentially, but wow. like not severe, not severe thunderstorms didn't make the list. Yeah, it was like. <laughs> It was basically like they copied the contract from like a Central American soccer team, like in case of tropical storm, coup, insurrection, <laughs> military takeover. Here's what we're doing, boys. That, that, this is no longer a valid contract, but you know, a little rain. Eh, we we don't we don't know how to account for that. So, I'm guessing whoever the intern was that copied and pasted that into the contract is probably feeling like a jerk now i'm assuming it's just old boilerplate language for the last however many years that no one's bothered to update because this hasn't been an issue since uh how old were you guys the last time that this was an issue that they even played how so how old were you guys the last time they played a sunday game it would have been west virginia right yeah 94 yeah yeah I was trying to, before that factoid had come out, I was trying to remember if that had even happened in my lifetime. I was 13 years old. People can do the math on that. Well, I remember the the Utah State game in 91 where they had the lightning and all that. I mean, I remember seeing the picture. I wasn't in the stadium that day. But, I mean, beyond that. And that was 20 minutes. Right. That's all that was. They didn't care as much about the... uh... I mean, if there's a lightning strike now, it's 30 minutes from when that strike occurred. Yeah. So a 20-minute delay seems kind of humorous. 26 years later or whatever it is, 27. I guess the big subject now that people care about, for good reason, is this 12th game. Um, and Bill Moose said today, no refunds. But he wants the fans and the team to have that game. So they, I think they're going to get this done somehow, some way. Um, Akron is still very much on the table for the first week of December, but that October 27th by seems like it's in play too. And he was talking about FCS teams, which kind of stabs our theory of Liberty. I hope not. Give me Liberty or give me (laughs) FCS. That's what it is. Nobody has been pumping up that Liberty matchup like the guys at this table. We uh, and and in complete fairness, I mean, this is just something I saw on our message board. It's not like I, I did not create this idea. I don't want to take any sort of, but I am certainly going to throw all of my it's a good considerable idea. weight behind it. I I I don't understand why New Mexico State and Liberty would want to play each other twice in the same season when the opportunity is perfect for both of those teams to get a different opponent on their schedule, mm-hmm. probably make more money in the process, and. For Nebraska, you get the cool added bonus of it being a Turner Gill team. Yeah, I mean, the only team that probably would have a beef is Akron, who will have to go, maybe in the deal, would have to go travel out to New Mexico State. But that's probably a win. They get a win out of it. Yeah. And uh, Nebraska could probably still make it worth their while somehow, some way, you know, with whatever. 
send them some Oscars chicken wings or something. I don't know, but the thing about this is you're you're talking about fans that are maybe a little upset that Akron's getting their one million dollars or whatever it is. Are they though? Like, what did Moose say today? Like, uh, it's not a done deal. Okay, they, they don't have to write the check till March. So <laughs> we got real deep into the weeds. So we'll see. You we'll talked for 11 minutes. It got we'll, pretty deep. We'll see how that goes. So but what I'm saying is if you ask the average fan and they're like, what if it took Nebraska $5 million to facilitate this whole f- swing between these four teams to get a 12th game, would you be okay with that? I bet it's like a 90% yes because people want the game. Yeah. Now, there are I, I did get some people that push back against the idea of playing on the 27th because of the bye week and wanting the extra week to fa- before facing Ohio State for some reason. Uh, I, I get, you know, the bye week is helpful in terms of it's a grueling year, and you get an opportunity to split that up. And I get that some people have weddings or other things that they planned on doing on the 27th. But I would think that as a fan, and I know the players unanimously want to play another game, you would want the team to play another game. You don't want to be cheated out of an experience. Find and it. so if the 27th is the most reasonable way to do that, because I just don't see why you end up playing a December 1st game if Nebraska's 7-4 and four, yeah, or 6-5. and five. And it's potentially 15 degrees out. Right. So I, to me, if they're doing this, it's going to happen on the twenty seventh. If 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 that game needs to be played on December first to avoid the new era pinstripe bowl for Nebraska, but it, they're not going to do it that. It must be played. <laughs> it absolutely must be played. So if they're like, I will pass the hat. So I you're will, saying you would want two games in December as opposed to just one? Give I I don't. I want a guaranteed win on December first to avoid going to New York City. I love the phrase. I'd pass the hat. Like what? <laughs> who's who's paying into that hat? A large hat. It's a big hat. The the media members are going to pay so, of their meager salaries to to get this thing to go, huh? I'll put out donation boxes places. You're going to start a GoFundMe. So yeah. Nebraska doesn't play this game. Yeah. <laughs> or they do play this game, so you don't have to go to yep. New York. So if Nebraska's six and five or seven and four, the game must be played because they're on the pinstripe bubble in that scenario, right? right? Yeah, and I'm going to be writing articles like nobody's business for about two weeks in November leading up to that week if if it if it's still on the bubble. But if they're five and six and they need it, you could be like, yeah, do we really gotta, <laughs> guys? Do we, we, do we want to bring Akron in again? Just let those guys get in the weight room. They don't need the yeah. the bowl game. That's when you're going to see Bruns championing the quick lane bowl in Detroit. <laughs> oh, boy. When they're, they're five and six, and they need this to get to six and six. He'll be the biggest fan of the quick lane oh, yeah. possibility. Yep. Or Foster Farms, I guess. They could end up back out there. Find yourself like an Idaho State-type team mm-hmm. on October 27th. Idaho State, people might remember, played a Bo Pelini team, and they were the worst football team I've ever seen in Lincoln. That includes Pacific back in the day that came in here and actually ended their football program a few years (laughs) later. But Idaho State, I I think we could have, like, walked around Lincoln and, like, found able-bodied people and put together a team as competitive. A scoring drive, at least? Yeah, at least mounted a first down or two. Yeah, that uh, that game was terrible. But... I, I don't know. I'm I'm all aboard of playing the 12th game, likely doing it at the end of October. I'll be very curious uh, how often Moose talks about this, to be honest. Yeah. If this is a, you know, he talks about it once, and then you get into the season, and Nebraska plays Colorado, they play Troy, you get to Michigan. At what point does this come out? They can figure it out in a few weeks, right? I mean, a few weeks if it's October 27th, you probably got to get that figured out because they have to reissue the tickets and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So I would think this is a September announcement if if it's that week. Imagine you're someone who sold your first ticket to the Nebraska game for a pretty substantial amount of money, and then you're going to get another ticket given to you because you're a season ticket holder. You have to decide. It's like you you won. Or you have to decide if you're a good person or not, and you want to (laughs) just. I'm not gonna lay any sort of ethical guilt trip on people in the the market. What would you What would you do if you had sold it to somebody, but you were gonna get another ticket? Would you give it? To sell that, that ticket too. You would sell it again. Yes, we've learned a lot about you, Schaefer. Yeah, I mean it's not look, all is fair and all sales final and thunderstorms. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm not the one that caused them to not play the game. You're not. 
So not your fault. We know right? that. Yeah, exactly. You it can't might, put me on the blame. It might list. be Tim Brando's fault at Fox for some reason, but Tim Brando very high on Scott Frost. Yeah. Yes. He he got a big he got a big statement out there in the five minutes he was on air. Man. About being the next Nick Saban, the next right? Nick Something Saban. like that. Competing for national championships. He said he was going to win national championships in Nebraska, right? He he might have. That tunnel walk, I mean, Frost did look confident during that tunnel walk. He did. He kind of had the swagger, so. <laughs> he was kind of doing that, he like. the swagger of leading the guys onto the field. I watched it back. It, it, that was a guy. He who, broke it down. What did you think? We'll just get into it. What did you guys think of the new tunnel walk? New song. Yeah. New it, era. I liked it. I we liked had this whole discussion win sometime this summer. And at the time, I was on the just leave it the same thing. But I thought it was pretty good. And I think the video intro for it was very good. And they did have serious – I didn't couldn't hear it at first. I had to go back and listen. But they did have serious play at, like, the beginning before they actually started walking. So it was in there. And I wonder, too – because Frost has hinted at this, and so has Moose. I wonder if that song could change week to week. Seems like it might. Like they played there. So, and I'm all, I'm all for that. I, th- I think you could, you can do that. And so you keep, you keep that little serious intro, and then you overdub a, a, a second song. I kind of like that. I'm okay with it. And like for me, it's always the, the video presentation is generally what I think is the most interesting part of it. And I thought they did a really nice job uh, right. with that. It it ends with Nebraska's fittest coach in years, just with his arms flexed across his chest, <laughs> yeah. talking about a new era of Nebraska football. It, it does feel different when you see that and you think about who's coached this team in the last. It'd be a little different if you or I were up there. <laughs> <laughs> this is a new era of yeah. Nebraska football. People be like, oh, oh no way. <laughs> yeah, it 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 visibly <laughs> works. Or. Mike Riley, as nice a man as he was, like being up there and just kind of being looking cold as he announces. Or you know how he always like <laughs> gave us the double fist pump when he walked yeah. off the uh, the field. He just does that. New era of Nebraska football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It not, uh, not quite the same. It it worked. I thought. Brunch, you have any? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where I always kind of laugh when people get all hot and bothered about you know the tunnel walk. You're never gonna. You're not going to please everybody. Like, that's pretty obvious. It was fine. I mean, you got Tom Osborne. Rotated it. You got Tom Osborne in there. Sounded really pretty peppy for Tom Osborne, I thought. That, that was what's one thing that stood out to me. I'm sure Frost probably rocked out about 50 push-ups right before they filmed it, though, um, just to make sure the guns were on point. Um, but I, it was fine. Are they going to stick with that going forward? Like, are, are they doing a new one? I don't know. I guess that's the intrigue for this week. A new video? Yeah. I think it'd be the same one every time, wouldn't it? I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it still doesn't. It pales in comparison to the year where they had the former players come back <laughs> and swing the sledgehammer at the CGI'd brick wall with the, the, the mascot of the opponent on there. My favorite one of all time is the really terrible-looking CGI plane sequence in which they parachute yep. into Memorial Stadium. Yep. Is that 07? That one is, is just tremendous and is ingrained in my brain forever. Yeah, they, it, there's there's a lot if you go back and look for those that, that are pretty great. So I... Compared to those, I like the one that they did on Saturday. The thing that Nebraska has going for it is those are kind of hard to screw up at this point because you have such a volume of highlights that you can utilize and put into those things. From the last 10 years? No. I mean, you're, you're clearly playing to the nostalgia right. factor of it. That's why you <laughs> you see these things. Tommy, Tommy Frazier's run through the Florida Gator <laughs> roster is always going to be included. There's a good chance the Fumble Ruski's involved. There's a good chance to sneak against what LSU is involved. Give me a little Schlesinger action. Yep. Which uh, I mean, it, you you just play the hits, right? Like you can't screw it up if you're if you're gonna throw those. And then you can you can sneak in some some more current ones if you want. If you want the Amir Abdullah taking it to the house against McNeese State. <laughs> if you want to work that one in there, Jordan Westerkamp's catch or Alex Henry's field goal. Oh, I'm curious, you know, maybe they change the highlights this week to include uh, Sue's touchdown. I think they'll have some Colorado nostalgia in there about that, that makes game. sense. Yeah. There's, there's, there's better Nebraska-Colorado highlights than that, though. Yeah. I think. 
Is it? Will you want to get into it? Will we want to get into our? Like, well, we might as well. It's not like we have anything to break down since you guys rejected my idea of recapping a fake game that was never played. Yeah, listeners, we saved you from 15 minutes of breaking down a fake game. Oh, it was great. We I, had, call it, I had some ideas. We we're gonna call it if they played it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we weren't gonna like, signal that it was fake. Like the OJ, like thing. the OJ book. Well, yeah. I mean, but it, to start with, it would have we'd have just jumped straight into it. Adrian Martinez would have went down early because of Brian's prediction on the previous week's podcast. And then Bunch would have came in. Who knows what might have happened. But instead, nothing. That's true. What's your favorite uh, Nebraska-Colorado memory? Uh, so I, one of my first Nebraska games I went to was in 92, um, the Halloween game in Lincoln. You were there. I was there. Uh, skip trick-or-treating that night. Um had a friend growing up who was from Denver originally moved to Nebraska. His family were big Colorado fans, and uh, that was a rough night for him. There was was he kind of an a hole? No, he was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the people he was kind he, of an a hole. They little, want to hear that. He was a little cocky because this is '92 and Colorado was actually winning yeah. uh, games in that that series. But I the thing I remember from that game, and I I really didn't have a ton to compare it to because we didn't go to a lot of games, like. The crowd was like angry that night, mm-hmm. like they were pissed, um, and it, it, you know, really was a pretty cool atmosphere when, when Nebraska just really kind of took it to them. Um, I, I seem to remember, I think we left like a couple minutes before the game ended in typical Nebraska fashion to beat the traffic, but also because <laughs> my. It's was, heartening to know that everyone's dad is always yeah. a driving force of beat the traffic. But no I, I think what. there was legitimate concern of with like a couple of second graders of like, what the hell is going to happen here? Like th- there was just like this really weird energy. Like is everybody going to rush the field? I think they took the goalpost down then. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was pretty cool. My both my parents are from Colorado and they went to the the game in. I think I guess it would have been in '91 out in Colorado. A snowball game. Yeah. Um, so the early '90s Colorado teams, um, you know, the, a lot of the names still kind of stand out. I mean, I still kind of, you know, flinch a little bit every time I see Eric Bieniemy's name mentioned. It's probably not the right thing to sing to sing to say say to say that you enjoyed how much the two sides hated each other. But I, as a kid, I loved it. Like in the late '80s and early '90s, because it was just actual hate. Oh yeah. And um, it's hard to get Nebraska fans to that level. Like even Oklahoma, I don't think Nebraska fans hate Oklahoma. Most of them, they just they, there is kind of that respect of uh, you're kind of equals. But if with Colorado, it's different because Colorado was not seen as an equal by Nebraska fans at first. And so the their idea that they could be like insulted Husker fans, right. I felt like. And uh, but you could see it building. You could see Colorado, like under McCartney, Colorado was becoming something that was going to be a problem. And deep down, I think it it worried Nebraska fans. And the '89 game out there is a game. It's it's on YouTube. People should look it up. I mean, if Nebraska won that game with Jerry Godowski at quarterback that year, they would have been in the national title game probably. And they lose by six. They had a drive that got down to like the Colorado 20-yard line and it stalled out. You say national title game, does that mean they would have been playing in the Orange Bowl against somebody Mm -hmm. in particular that year? Georgia Tech, wasn't it? Well, they would have – I would have had to – who did Colorado play? Colorado played Notre Dame. There were two years in a row Colorado played Notre Dame, I'm pretty sure. You could fact-check me on this. But 89, I think they played Notre Dame with a chance to win the title and got beat something like 21-6, to the 90 Orange Bowl. And then the 90 Colorado team that had a tie and a loss and a fifth down against Missouri but still ended up with a share of the title, they played Notre Dame in a game I'll remember in the Orange Bowl that they won 10-9 to or something, but – the Rocket Ishmael returned a punt in the last minute, and they got called back, and Colorado hung on. Yeah, that's right, because 90, the 90 Orange Bowl was the 21-6 to yep. loss to Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, then they won 10-9 to in, like, just a street fight the next year. But yep. there was that punt that was called back. Yep. The 
the the the thing that's interesting to me is you, you talk about the rivalry with Colorado and Nebraska, and they were close games, especially in the early '90s, uh, late '80s. Nebraska won 19 of the last 23 games that those teams played. Like, if you like really dig into that, I mean, they were they were hard fights, overtime games or whatever. Well, 98-99, in 98, Nebraska needs a kick from Brown to win it, 16-14. 99, Nebraska blows a 20-some point lead to go into overtime. And that 99 team was maybe one of the best in that run, uh, and they, they just totally took their foot off the gas. And then they ended up winning in overtime on a crouch touchdown. Uh, so those games, it feels like in the, the early 90s where everybody sort of really remembers that rivalry, Nebraska kind of blew them out more often than not, or it wasn't that close. But then the mid-late 90s, those games were weirdly close or had a lot of weird events happen to them. There was an onside kick, I think, in one of them. I mean, it was a, it was always a notable game for me because of when it was played, I mean, being the that Friday after Thanksgiving always just gave it an extra, you know, emphasis to me. And, and growing up, when I did, Oklahoma just didn't matter. Yeah. And so they, they didn't matter until 2001. Yeah. Or 2000 and 2001. And so it was just kind of a – Colorado was always sort of the initial team that I viewed as Nebraska's, like, real rival. And then Kansas State would have been right there. And then Oklahoma – and then a little bit at the end, Missouri. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't even so much a rivalry as I think Nebraska fans just sort of hated them at the end, more so than any other opponent I can think of other than maybe Colorado. 97 and 99 were bizarre Nebraska-Colorado games in that they're almost replays of one another. They're both in Boulder, and Nebraska led by like 24 going into the fourth quarter and almost blew both games in just strange fashion. 97, that was – I mean – when that happened, I thought that was going to cost them the national title, you know, because it was a it was a poll contest with yep. Michigan at that point. And then you get the strange 2001 game, which at the time seemed like the most bizarre Husker football game you'd ever seen almost. 60, and it was a 62-36 score before that was really, like, around in college football like it has been in, in recent years. But it's funny, if you go back and look at it, the stats were pretty even. And Nebraska actually had a chance in the third quarter where they're down 12 and driving where that game maybe is different. So it's it's strange. Well, what's ingrained in my brain forever is the fumble at the one from Deidre. Darren Diedrich. Yep. I mean, that probably changes the whole outcome of that game. But the other thing that's ingrained is Colorado ran the same running play over and over and over and nebraska's linebackers bit hard over and over and oh i mean it was a cutback play that's all it was and they showed the little nebraska kid crying on tv i I remember everybody talking about that some didn't think that was fair of abc to do that i uh i watched that game with my cousins after thanksgiving drove back to columbus was with my brother and it was like the first time I listened to a call-in show ever. My lord! <laughs> like, I mean, I know they're they can be bad now. It was really bad in two thousand. I mean, there were fewer called places. in claiming that there was a plane crash carrying Nebraska's roster back, and like the I don't remember who was hosting. It might have been Sharp at the time. It was just like completely aghast that this guy had done this. Yeah, it was. I mean, people took it bad really bad there were fewer fewer places you could blow off steam back then you had to get to call in I, that cue must have just been insane <laughs> you think about it just blinking lights of 18 calls on hold ready to just tee off i was uh i was in the colorado booster section for 6236 to my uncle um lived out there and got us tickets for that game and that was that was a rough one um to be there for um the other one, probably the most memorable Colorado Nebraska memory for me, was the uh, the 2009 version uh, out in Boulder, the 28-20 win. I believe that was the game where Colorado hits a pass, the hail mary, at the, the hail mary at the end to make it an eight point Nebraska win. Uh, may or may not have been sitting in a sports book in Las Vegas that day, and may or may not have won a significant amount of money based on that final play. So that was that was my last. Uh, enduring memory of the rivalry was 
cashing that sweet, you sweet know, payday. You remember why else that day was incredibly memorable? That was, the, that was the Tiger. Crash. Tiger Woods Day. The whole and <laughs> you were covering the team at this point. Mm-hmm. I was there as a for the student newspaper. The entire press box, all anybody could talk about was Tiger. Like nobody really cared about the game that much because it was, felt like almost foregone that Nebraska would just win it and then they would go play against Texas. And that whole press box was just on fire about what had happened with Tiger Woods. Nobody knew at that point. It was, <laughs> it was, just, it was yeah, speculation. Yeah, well, it was just like he crashed his car. It, right. was, it was almost like, oh, poor Tiger. That was a tough yeah. deal, you know? <laughs> we it was, it was we so had no weird. idea what was about to happen. <laughs> you wake up that morning in like every news update. Yeah. And then life said, wait, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. It was it was wild. Also, the two years before that, oh, seven. Bill Callahan's last game, yeah. which obviously everybody knew. You remember that final score? 65-51. Yeah. Um, and that's what's stupid thing about me. I can remember final scores of Nebraska games from like 30 years ago, but I can't remember like, you know, what I had for lunch. I had a little king well, one, sandwich. Well, one's pretty important. Your lunch isn't all that important. Yeah, I guess. But 2007, the Colorado postgame room uh, – was just a hallway. Right, yeah. Were you at that one? Which one? Or 07. I was at the last of the numbers, I was 05. So there's all these people in this cramped hallway, and it, like, three fights almost broke out with media prior to the him coming up because guys are, like, elbowing each other for space. And um, Bill. Well, that was back when the media was relatively small. Yeah. It's not even like it is now, but. Um, I will always remember that. Some of those funny post-game moments in some of these road stadiums, people don't understand. Like, even though it's this million-dollar industry we've got here, it's like you're doing interviews, like, under the stadium at Missouri with the marching band beating their drums in your ears. And it's just weird. Texas has a terrible post-game setup. They did 10 years ago. In Missouri, the fans used to – I don't know if it's still this way. They used to be above you. So, yes. like, people could, like, throw trash off the concourse. Dump drinks. And they dump would. drinks. Oh, yeah. And I'm the the two Missouri games I covered were the both in the Callahan era. And I remember that 05, it was just, like, pandemic. Like, you were, it felt like you were sitting in the middle of a riot around this little card table while Bill Callahan's recounting why he couldn't stop Brad Smith. Yeah, in 2009, there was no Missouri fans left over after that collapse on a Thursday night. So it was just sweet, sweet silence. <laughs> Sue ruined ruined that for Missouri. <laughs> this is a great road game. Any other Colorado memories? Um, we covered most of them. There, the funniest one of the funniest ones was um, eighty. Was it eighty eighty eight? Colorado played here, and JJ Flanagan was breaking free for like a forty five yard touchdown. It was a zero zero game, and he just dropped the ball on the twenty yard line. Just dropped it. And he recovered it, but Colorado didn't end up scoring. Nebraska won the game seven nothing. Like it, I, I posted it a month or two ago, but it's still one of the funniest plays you've ever seen in this stadium. It's like a ghost just knocked the ball out of his hand. So was it similar to the Niles Paul thing? Um, not, it, the Niles Paul thing had more of an explanation to it in the fact that Niles against Iowa State, I think you're talking about, was trying to at least tightrope the sideline, so he was kind of got off balance and was holding the ball weird. This was just a guy running like he's done his whole life. Nobody's going to get him. And the ball, he's just like, oh, I left the ball on like the 20-yard line, and he had to go collect it. I'll have to watch that highlight. And they never scored. And Nebraska wins 7-0. And then the next week they beat Oklahoma 7-3. So they beat two ranked teams scoring a total of 14 points in two weeks. Good defense in that, uh, what, 88? 88, yeah. Who are notable Colorado players that you remember from their college days? The one that always jumped out to me because he's talked about all the time, but I didn't ever think he was that good, was Jeremy Bloom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's just, like, constant talk about Jeremy Bloom. He was an Olympic skier. But he wasn't that great. Like, he he had a couple punt returns, right? Like, that was his thing. He was, like, a model, too. I think there's this whole, like, deal about him, you know. Jeremy Bloom uh, is is one that comes to mind. Now, because of his role in Fox Sports, I always think of Joel Klatt, but I don't know if I would have. You look at Joel Klatt's numbers, and I did after I talked to him in Chicago. Like, this wasn't really that impressive. Joel. No, he wasn't. The thing I love about him as an announcer is he leaves where he's from, and he's just completely yeah. 
I'm an unbiased announcer. That's why I like him a lot. Darian Hagen's always the one yeah. that stands out to me the, from the early 90s because he was basically the point guy on those mm-hmm. those really good teams. But He had some crazy option pitches too. Yeah. He would be like one of those option quarterbacks who would be like falling down like 20 yards down the field and he'd pitch it off. He had the NCAA wild pitch before the video games even did. Yeah. That's who they modeled it after. He has one against Nebraska in 89, their first touchdown. It's like an 80-yard touchdown, and he he pitches it like 30 yards down the field to a running back. Hits him on on the money, and he takes it to the house. It was a sweet play. Anybody else? Eric Biennemi, just because of the the game in the rain here in 90, I think. Yeah. Michael Pritchard, he was – Yeah. He was always around. I thought the 94 team they had was their best team of all the teams, even the one that nat- won the national title. And that just speaks to how good that Nebraska squad was at that time, that they were able to handle them like that. Because that, that squad was loaded with NFL guys. Was that 95 when, when Colorado like came down through the student section yep. or something like that? And then Amon Green just houses one on the first first offensive possession. Yep. And that was the no pen- Nebraska had no penalties. And it was also the game where Frazier had the play where he was getting sacked, but he kind of double-clutched and still got the pass off to, I think, Amon mm-hmm. uh, for like a 30-yard gain. That was about as good as Nebraska could. That was a decent Colorado team, too. Like, if Nebraska had not played a flawless game, that would have been a fight. But that, that team was just, like, so dialed in. What did that, that score end up as? 44-21. to 21. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I like it. <laughs> We're going to quiz you throughout the season, though. <laughs> Random games. Of, of relative consequence, yeah, okay. I'm not going to ask you Utah State 2001. Well, the, yeah, no, I mean. I don't the, think that existed. Yeah. See? I don't even know. It's a question. <laughs> Game never happened. <laughs> yeah. So, you, Schaefer. We, uh, we sufficiently wrapped up Colorado memory yeah, line. I think so. Are you guys looking forward to that trip out there next year? Yes. Yes. I think they have. A really scenic campus, the way where that stadium sits. And the stadium's not super, super nice, but I just I really enjoy that campus. And I'm always amazed that that program is not better than uh, how they perform. And so uh, I, w- I thought maybe with their run was a couple years ago they went to the Pac-12 championship game that they might be turning in the right direction. But Well, maybe they're finding it again. Well, yeah, I, it we're, could be. We're gonna, I think Montez, their quarterback, is legit. We're going to learn something about them Saturday. I yep. mean, if they come in here and they and they take it to Nebraska. We, we'd kind of poo-pooed Colorado, I we think, did. coming into the season. And I don't I don't know that that Colorado State game was a great measuring stick. It's cause, not. Because I don't think Colorado State's very good. They're bad. Um, but Sorry, Mike Bobo. Yeah, they've got some playmakers. they got some guys on offense that can make life tough on you. Um, so I, I, I mean, I still think Nebraska wins, but it's I, it's going to be one possession game, I think, yeah. and I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. I think it's going to be kind of similar to the Oregon game in a in some ways, where it's a little bit back and forth. And which one? Uh, the not the 2017 Oregon, but 2016 Oregon. You heard it here first. Mike Schaefer predicts Nebraska spotting Colorado 42 points. Well, they didn't spot them 42. They gave up 42, but they also scored 10. It wasn't. Uh, they did. You know, let's not take away <laughs> what Nebraska managed. Sorry to do. for sullying Bob Diaco's Come defense on now. last year. It's ridiculous. But this is going to be a, a really intriguing game. I mean, certainly for all of the reasons in which we haven't seen Nebraska play yet, so we don't know what to expect of that offense. And and Colorado does have big play capabilities. So even if they're not driving up and down the field. They have the ability that you get a mismatch against Nebraska's defensive back or there's a bust. Either their running back or a couple of their wide receivers can take it to the house. And so I expect points, and I I think there's going to be some big plays. And like you, I think it's a one-possession close game. And it's going to be a big test for Adrian Martinez right off the bat with nothing to draw on. And it could be in a rainstorm. I mean, it there's rain in the forecast Saturday. For those who don't live in the state, it's basically been raining <laughs> since, or it's seeming like it's going to rain yeah. since the game Saturday. It's basically been Portland for the last like four days. 
Yeah. Kind of the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's been off and on like this. Uh, big recruiting weekend, though. Which one? The last one or this one? Coming up. Or both of them. Coming up. Well, I would say both of them. Both of them. There you go. Tell us more. Yeah. The rest had five visitors in last week. Seems like things went really well. I know that there's a lot of people. There's a strange amount of people that wondered if the official visits wouldn't count because the game didn't happen. They absolutely count. It's the same as if you were to come in in June or January or December and there's no visit weekend or game weekend, I should say. Uh, so the the visits counted all the same. Talked with some people involved in the program. The general feeling was they kind of got the best of both worlds and that you could and, – and Ryan Held even said this when he was talking – today to the media it was like they more or less had ninety thousand fans come in and simulate what it was going to be like for a game atmosphere and you don't get that in a visit in in december or january so you get an extra little bit of fit there and then the coaches were able to spend a little bit more time with the recruits of the guys that were in brant Banks certainly looks like he's going to be a nebraska commit sooner than later he even sort of said that it's looking really good for nebraska right now i don't know if there's another team that's particularly close in that one, he's a three-star defensive end. Taiwan Mullen, who I haven't had a chance to catch up with. I've talked to some other people, and that visit went really well. Nebraska's situated well. He's still going to Indiana this weekend and might still end up at Kansas State, but then he'd have all of his officials done and could be ready to make a decision in September. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. Bryce Benhart is a big one. Got uh, a one-sentence response about how the visit went, which is about in line with how the interviews of the Ben Hart family has gone, and uh, it went well for, for those wondering. <laughs> if you want to know anything else, too bad. But uh, I, I think that Nebraska's in, in good shape there. Wandale Robinson is interesting. I think the visit went really well. I have a tough time seeing Nebraska winning out over some of these other teams that offer a little bit of proximity. But the offense is is very good for his skill set. I mean, what they want to do with him and how they want to utilize him, not everybody offers that. I mean, Alabama doesn't really have a position player like him, and they're a team that's in the mix. Kentucky, I don't think, has anything very similar to this. Ohio State and Purdue do, and we saw Rondale Moore uh, when Purdue lost to Northwestern, like what they can do with an athlete like that, and that's a big selling point. We've seen Curtis Samuel and what Ohio State can do with an athlete like that. And Nebraska wants to. It just doesn't have the film yet to show it, but I think it will. And the other official visit. I mean, they have it pat in past. What is that? In the past, they have. Yeah, yeah. right. It, it, it's always one of those things where you kind of want to see it with the actual Nebraska doing it a little bit. No. You, you don't think that's that big of a deal? I think I get the idea. Well, yeah, you do. But when you're, I, I you're could recruiting run that against, and they're, here's Curtis Samuel. Here's a guy from UCF whose name you don't know. I mean, it, it does lean a little bit towards the Curtis Samuel side. Or Oregon? Oregon? No. I, I don't Oregon? Know. Right. Yeah, I mean, you could you could do that too. But um, the, the other visitor, Donovan West, that went well. I think he stays out west. Uh, and he's an offensive lineman out there. He could be an interior guy for Nebraska. But they put their best foot forward. We'll see where that one goes in this upcoming weekend. And Nebraska got a commit yesterday, which we'll get into here shortly. But the upcoming weekend, you've got a number of committed guys, Jackson Hanna, Luke McCaffrey, Nick Henrich, all coming in for official visits. Garrett Nelson's going to be here. Matthew Anderson's going to be here. Some other guys might be here as well in terms of uh, committed players. Michael Lynn is going to be here. Carson Lee, a 2020 unofficial visitor. You've got four guys that aren't committed that are coming in in Marcus Washington, wide receiver out of St. Louis. Chris Hickman, tight end out of Omaha Burke, which could go very quickly and very good for Nebraska if all indicators are correct. And two other guys, Javin Wright and Jamel Starks, defensive backs out of Phoenix and Atlanta, respectively, are coming in for visits too. And so it's just a, another good weekend for, for Nebraska and another opportunity to – keep adding to its class which grew as i said earlier this week with the addition of dedrick mills and you guys know a little bit more about that than i do pretty good player i mean he at georgia tech he runs for 770 yards as a true freshman it's out there so i you can just say it he failed some drug test um you know with marijuana and so he had to go the juco route um you talked to 
we talked to Jeff Sims, who's a coach at Garden City Community College. And the thing Sims made clear is that this, this is a really good kid. Like, off the field, he's got a great personality, and this fan base would love him. And it's it's one of those deals where uh, he broke a rule that some people in society don't think is bad. Some people do. Well, you can have whatever your take on that, but that that's what happened at Georgia Tech. Um, so he had to start over again, but he's, I think, I think, uh, Nebraska thinks they got a pretty special guy in Dedrick, Dedrick Mills. I always like, I think it's Dedrick. Dedrick, Dedrick. Yeah. I always like to say Dedrick, but I believe Rick Dedrick is correct. Yeah. D-Rick. I could ask if I could call him Rick for short. That would help. Yeah. Simplify it. Pretty good get though. Yeah, it adds to a running back class that are already it's just all over the place. Pretty good on yeah. paper, but you're right. There's a lot of different. Pieces. I mean, you had you had Thomas Grayson. He decommitted. Ronald Tompkins tore his ACL. Ramir Johnson is the guy at Bergen this year, and he had a big first game. Uh, I think Bronson. Do you know what he? 100, 130 yards and two touchdowns against yeah. Grayson. And that's, that's a guy. I mean, he had 28 carries, I think, in that game. And I I don't know if he eclipsed 100 carries last year as a junior for the season so Mm -hmm. he's he's gonna be a workhorse for for them and you know the thing is and everybody keeps asking why do they keep taking all these running backs they want a very deep running back room and i think they look at somebody like mills and they think he gives us something that's different than ramir johnson that's different than a healthy ronald Tompkins, that's different than when thomas grayson was committed and that's different than if they get wandale robinson who doesn't even have a position he would just be sort of you know Miles Jones-ish, except Miles Jones got more moved to running back. So it's a it's an interesting spot because you have Maurice Washington, you have Miles Jones, you have Greg Bell. You assume all those guys are going to be coming back. We don't know what's going to happen with somebody like Jalen Bradley. I think that's fair to to even just throw that out there because he didn't appear in the first four on the depth chart, though he is a little banged up, I think, with an ankle. Uh, so there's there's that. But they want a deep, deep group. And so if it's going to go seven, eight deep, I mean, they're going to go recruit the guys for that. And Dedrick Mills also happens to slide into the same class as to where Trey Bryant would be. And so that also could be a mystery piece of this whole puzzle. But ultimately, the way it was described to me, Nebraska saw an opportunity to add an athlete on its offense they think can really fit and help. They're going to go do it. They did it. Well, and he's physically a little bit different than any back that they're going to have next year, too. I mean, he seems very compact. He's 5'11, 225. Um, compact. So, you know, he's a little bit different look than what you'd see from Greg Bell. Um, I mean, of that group, I mean, I don't know that there's anybody that you would really say that, at least based on size, is kind of like a physical between the tackles runner that you have next year. Maybe Bradley a little bit, but. Um, no, I don't. I don't really think they have any. No, I mean Maurice Washington's more of a speed guy. Miles Jones definitely more of a speed guy. But the thing about uh, the Dedrick is, he has a burst. He has like a breakaway burst that you don't always get with some of those bigger guys. That I mean, in what you're talking about, like so, I I wouldn't just pigeonhole and not that you were, but I've seen this already from some other people. I wouldn't pigeonhole him as like a goal line back no. or as a short yardage back because that is not how he's going to get used. No, he had, uh, what, 267 and three touchdowns in Garden City's first game, including a 50-yard touchdown run. So, yeah, he can play a, a little bit, um, which I, I think that is another part of it that gives you a little bit more or gives you something that you don't have right now. Plus, I mean, Tompkins is, is going to be out with the ACL. You have to assume he's going to redshirt next year. Right. And I mean, you don't know where Bradley's at. So that at that point, you have you know Bell is a senior, Washington is a sophomore, and I mean Bradley. That's kind of your I mean, White Missouri Jones. Jones. So I mean the, Johnson. Yeah, a little different. They got a lot of them. It's just how they want to divvy it up, and we know they want a deep room. So. You know what the most telling thing to me about Dedrick Mills is is Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech has quotes on the record in a couple different articles about how he was one of their best players as a freshman. And just the fact that, I mean, that's something, but just the fact that a head coach is talking about a guy who left the program for the reasons that happened. A lot of times when that happens, you'll never hear a coach say another word. They won't agree to do an interview about a kid, you know, that's not in their program. It's kind of like, well, we've kind of moved on from that. 
that to me tells you something that this kid, I mean, he was like respected enough by Paul Johnson that he would say stuff like that after he was gone. Yeah, it, it's also something to keep in mind here, and we've seen it already twice with two guys out of South Florida. Nebraska has a strong connection to Garden City in that Jeff Sims and Javon DeWitt were on the same staff at Florida Atlantic. You are going to see Garden City be an important college for Nebraska in terms of people they want to go get, in terms of people they want to stash. That relationship is very good. Jeff Sims has a good relationship with the University of Nebraska in the sense that he's helped you know, put players here in the past or players that he's coached that ended up here and had good, good careers. So that is certainly something to keep in mind kind of going forward. And once again, it's another year. No, uh, no Iowa Western. And it's just, uh, for as much fervor and wondering when that's going to happen, it kind of always, uh, it makes me laugh a little bit because it just, it hasn't happened yet. And we're on what first it was, Bo was ignoring him, and then Riley was ignoring him. And here we are. Coaches just have different connections, and these things play out the way that they do because of those connections. And at some point, we'll see if Iowa Western and Nebraska ever do link up on a player. Got anything else? We're 50 minutes into this thing. No, I mean there's <laughs> nothing to, to cover since we can't do the fake game brunts. You're like the guy who. Uh... You're like eating at a table, and he kind of gets stands up and kind of like adjusts his belt. I keep, a I keep shifting a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it needed to be done though. We're going to cover a lot in the hypecast, so I mean, we'll actually discuss a game that hopefully will take place. Should we just run back with last week's hypecast? We don't even. We can just use the Akron. same predictions. <laughs> Replace Akron with Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well. uh Get us out. We're done. Yeah, yeah. Figure a way out of this. Yeah. No, nobody yeah, has anything they want to start hacking away <laughs> to the jungle here. All right. Well, just like it would have happened last week if there had been a game, but many of you made your way over to Husker twenty four seven to get the content, whether it was the recruiting stuff or updates from when Nebraska was going to play the game at ten thirty in the morning on Sunday to when they weren't going to play the game at ten thirty in the morning on Sunday. Husker247.com has your information. Be sure to stop by for everything this week. Big recruiting week. Tons of stuff on Sunday. Promise that you will be entertained by that. And, you know, a real test. And that's going to be interesting to see what Scott Frost says after his first game, which comes against Colorado. We'll catch you next week.